Something is stirring in America right now. You can feel it. We saw it tonight in the bluest counties and the reddest, in rural towns and industrial cities, in big communities and small, and the suburbs in between. Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice. Ask yourself if they're really telling the truth. This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. This is Subliminally Correct, a podcast where we examine all the ways politicians and newsmakers are using psychological tactics to influence you every single day. And now, join myself, Taylor Sherman, certified hypnosis instructor and executive coach, along with my co-host, Alex Dobranek, political consultant and certified consulting hypnotist, on this episode of Subliminally Correct. And welcome to another episode of Subliminally Correct. What do we have up for today, Alex? So today we're going to listen to Pete Buttigieg as he comes out of the Iowa caucus. The night of the caucuses, they had some technical challenges, but Buttigieg uh, is seen as clearly one of the winners here. And he's going to be giving a real rousing victory speech where he uses a lot of hypnotic language and a lot of interesting language patterns that really, once you break them down and once you listen to them the way that we do, you'll know exactly why he's been getting so much support out of the early states. So before we get into the first clip here, I want to direct you over to our Patreon page. Head over to subliminallycorrect.com and in the top right corner, you can support us by contributing just enough for a cup of coffee every week to keep us on the air here and keep our expenses down. And, you know, while you're there, go ahead and leave us a comment or, you know, your thoughts, maybe a question or two, and we'll be sure to read them on the air like we have before. You can also go to our Twitter page and send us your questions and comments over there. It's at SubliminalPod. And now we're going to get into this first clip here where Buttigieg talks about what we don't know. But then, what we actually do know, and it's all about him. So let's get into this. So we don't know all the results. But we know by the time it's all said and done, Iowa, you have shocked the nation. By all indications, we are going on to New Hampshire victorious. in the deep freeze of an Iowa January where we began this unlikely journey to win the American presidency. We weren't well known, but we had a new idea. 
The idea that at this moment when Washington has never felt further from our everyday lives, a middle-class mayor from the American Midwest could carry the voices of the American people all the way to the American Capitol and make sure they're actually heard. We had the belief that in the face of exhaustion and cynicism and division, in spite of every trampled norm and every poisonous tweet, that a rising majority of Americans was hungry for action and ready for new answers. We could see an American majority yearning for leadership to rally us together behind bold ideas to make a difference in our lives. We saw that Americans were ready to come together, but our politics were not. And to seize this moment, we needed a new path forward, a path that welcomed people instead of pushing them away, brought them together instead of driving them apart, because this is our best and maybe our last shot. We knew that with this American majority, we are on the cusp of changing the game for ordinary Americans, but that we could not win or govern if we wrote people off who didn't agree with us 100% of the time. But that if we could come together, the future that we know is possible would start on January 21st, 2021. awful lot of skeptics who said, not now, not this time. All this talk of belonging and of bridging divides is too naive, too risky. So tonight I say with a heart full of gratitude, Iowa, you have proved those skeptics wrong. Wow. So here we hear Pete Buttigieg uh, really coming out of the gate here and telling us about this victory that he has accomplished, this victory here in Iowa. And he really goes into a lot of thematic language here. And the first thing that occurs to me when I'm listening to him use this type of big picture type of language, very inspirational, very motivating, is that his style is very similar to another politician. It's very, very similar to Barack Obama. In fact, I would wager to believe that Buttigieg has been sitting on his free time watching videos or listening to audios of Obama trying to model him um, because I can hear the same cadence, the same way that he emphasizes the words, the same thematic type of appeals that are being made that Obama made in just the same way. It's almost as though you have Obama's voice coming out of Buttigieg, and it's really, it's it's really uh, you know interesting to hear that here. So we hear some patterns that he talks about. He has this contrast pattern. So he's contrasting initially what we don't know, the full election results, 
with what we do know that we have been victorious, he contrasts this idea of we weren't well known. It's that, that origin story, right? We weren't well known, but we had a new idea. So it's like this is what we didn't have, but this is what we did have. And if you think about it, that is such a strong rags to riches story, right? I, you know, I, I didn't have the success or the fame or the power or the fortune, but what I did have was drive. What I did have was spirit. What I did have is an idea. We had the belief, he says, that in the face of this and that, in the face of poisonous tweets, right, that we were hungry for action and we were ready for new answers. When he's saying this, of course, you can hear the persuasion just leaking out because what does any of this really mean? You know, we had the belief. Well, what is what is a belief? A belief is a very nebulous concept. You know, what is he actually saying here? We were hungry for action. So what does that mean? It means that someone has a feeling of hunger within themselves of wanting to move forward, to propel forward, and we were ready for new answers. Which answers in particular? We don't know, but Buttigieg is going to tell us here at a certain point. And then he continues with that liberal framing. And the liberal framing is a lot of the togetherness, the inclusiveness, the yes, we can type of message. It's not about pushing away. It's about welcoming. It's not about pushing apart. It's about driving together. This is our best shot and it's our last shot. Because if we don't listen to other people who don't agree with us altogether, if we just write them off altogether, then we're not going to be able to achieve what we want to do. And so he's really combining all of these different themes here right at the outset of his of his speech here. It's It's really interesting to hear him do this. And of course, you can hear how some other politicians really come through the mix as he's, you know, talking through them almost. Yeah, I want to go back to that thing that you just said. You know, so Pete says here, uh, to seize on this moment, we needed a new path forward because this is our best and maybe our last shot. And this is really interesting here because what exactly is he saying in this moment? And what is he alluding to? He's obviously claiming that he's the best option to seize the moment, that that this group of people that he's assembled, that you are a part of because you're listening to the speech, you know, you and your movement are are ready to um, you know seize the moment and you're the best path forward. But then he, he says this puzzling thing here because this is our best and maybe our last shot where, you know, what is he saying that Trump is going to destroy America, that we're not going to have another election? And what he's doing here is he's setting up a false choice between, you know, electing him and the end of society as we know it or, or some sort of dark future. But he sort of says it with a smile in something that, you know, might speak to values that you already have with, within you. And you can just fill in the blank there. But, you know, it's kind of funny how, you know, nobody really seems to bat an eye when he says something like this. You know, he also has this running theme throughout this speech and a lot of his campaign He talks about this rising majority of Americans that are hungry for action and ready for new answers. This rising majority over and over and over again, he goes on and on and on about. And you'll hear it in the later clips here, the different types of traits and actions that he's sort of ascribing to this this nebulous rising majority. Um, And it really sort of 
I don't know. It's, it's it's it almost makes you think back to like the silent majority. Now this is the rising majority, or or something like that. He's trying to, you know, maybe take previous political tactics and and political hits, and turn it into you know his own thing for for the rise of his campaign here. And then towards the end, he has this sort of straw man argument. He sets up. He says, you know, there were all these skeptics who said this and. They said this and that and this other thing about us that it was all impossible. And he does this again, like a lot of other people like Donald Trump, like Barack Obama, like a lot of other famous politicians, sort of setting up this straw man argument of made up people with fake quotes because nobody actually said those exact things there. He's just, you know, taking people uh, that he's made up in his head and these quotes to sort of pretend as though he's triumphed over all of them tonight. And he has this phrase here. He's like, you know, Iowa, you have proved those skeptics wrong. And what he's doing here is, you know, he's using his language here to empower the listener, but only because they supported him so that, you know, the other people who, you know, might be listening to this and don't support him or didn't support him. Well, now you kind of feel left out. Because you didn't prove any skeptics wrong, uh, and these other people did, and you're not really a part of the movement. And so it, it really empowers the people who are part of the movement and sort of gives that little bit of FOMO, uh, the fear of missing out, to the people who, you know, might have, you know, considered them part of the skeptic crowd. And you don't really want to be one of those wrong people. Exactly. And as he's framing, you know, the skeptics in that way, and especially as you're talking about this rising majority, you know what this reminds me of is it reminds me of the episode that we did on Marianne Williamson. So that was episode number 41. And in that clip, you can go back and listen to it. And part of what she was saying was this was this kind of um, stepping into a visceral anger of you know the majority uh, as they were going through? So if you're interested in you know more of that, go and listen to that episode on Marianne Williamson where she talks about this um, you know group of people. Uh, the quote is: "She said, you know, if capitalism doesn't wake up, the Bastilles will be stormed, and the capitalists know that. That stops now. That stops now. So, you know." If you're interested in a little bit more of that type of theme, go and check out that episode. All right. Now, in this next clip, we're going to be talking about this new path that he says Iowa has chosen and that America can choose as well. And so listen really closely to this language that he uses here to sort of, you know, talk about America as it is, where it can go and, you know, what we're doing about Donald Trump. I also want to congratulate my fellow Democratic competitors in this diverse and formidable field. For months, we have been having an honest and respectful but vigorous debate about the course of our party and the future of this nation. And tonight, Iowa chose a new path. river to river, in churches and community centers and high school gyms, you joined your neighbors to say that the time has come to turn the page and open up a new chapter in the American story. You chose to move on not just from the broken policies of these last few years, but the broken politics that got us here. 
And tomorrow, because of what we did here, the nation will have that choice too. We take our message onward to New Hampshire, which has a way of making up its own mind, to Nevada, to South Carolina, and beyond to every corner of America. And as we do, we will be building the movement that not only will win the election against Donald Trump, but win the era for our shared values. We have exactly one shot to defeat Donald Trump. And we're not going to do it by overreaching. We're not going to do it by division. We're not going to do it by saying it's my way or the highway. This is our shot, our only shot to galvanize an American majority to win. And make no mistake, ours is the campaign that will defeat this president. president who cuts taxes for corporations while crushing the rights of workers to organize ought to have to compete with a middle-class mayor who entered politics fighting for auto workers and actually lives and works in the industrial Midwest. A president who tries to cloak himself and his wrongdoing in religion should have to debate a candidate not afraid to remind America that God does not belong to a political party. And a president who avoided serving when it was his turn should have to stand next to a veteran ready to show what troops deserve from a real commander-in-chief. Now, this president may get a pass on the floor of the Senate, but this November, the verdict will be up to us. And when I am your nominee, we will win big enough to send not just Donald Trump's presidency, but Trumpism itself into the dustbin of history where it belongs. So what Buttigieg does here is he starts off with this new path that tonight Iowa chose. You joined your neighbors to open up a new chapter in American history. You chose to move on. And tomorrow the nation will have that choice, too. You know, because of what they did there. So what this language really says to me, it almost, you know, it's almost as if Buddha Judge is equating that new path there that he's alluding to is just code for a new outsider candidate. Think about it. He's running against senators, Bernie Sanders, who's been around and is older than dirt. And then uh, uh, Biden, who's also ancient. And then you've got these other senators who have been in, you know, government in Washington for ages that are his nearest competitors. And so what he's saying here is this this new path. What is this new path that Iowa chose? Well, they chose him. 
And what's new about him? Well, he's an outsider candidate. And so this is sort of a code word for him to sort of reframe the idea that, you know, he might be an experience or he might be different in like such a positive light here and to make it sort of a much larger sort of abstract idea about him and his movement. And so, you know, he's using also that that empowering language there of joining your neighbors and, you know, uh, uh, choosing to move on and that tomorrow the nation will have that choice because of what you did here. And so, again, that empowering language is great for the people who supported him and then also gives that sort of fear of missing out to the people who didn't support him. Those people who didn't support him, well, you know, they don't want to move on. They don't want to open up a new story and they're not giving the nation a new choice. Um, and so it's really interesting how he does that there and and um, and and plays with this this figurative language. Yeah. And what I also noticed about this clip is that he's using a lot of pacing statements. So remember that a pacing statement is where the person is acknowledging the reality as it is. And so as he talks here about how people join together from river to river from in churches and in community centers and they did this and that's that's his theme that he's you know stacking on there and he's naming the places where they are well now he's associating them into those experiences and then he says well you know here it is we've been victorious in Iowa and next we're moving on to New Hampshire who has their way of making up their own mind okay which is again more of what Alex was just saying there of you know, Pete is saying, you know, don't choose the thing, the path that's already been there for so long. You make up your own mind. Then to Nevada, then to South Carolina, and beyond to every corner of America. Well, how many corners are there in America? That's that's a lot of corners, you know, and but by by naming it, you know, people can, you know, look at, oh, well, there's this corner, there's that corner. And we've heard this type of language so many times before where a politi- politician or a candidate will just start naming places. And does it act, do they actually link to anything? Not necessarily. They're just naming a bunch of places. But what happens is, is that when people hear something that is familiar to them or maybe it's someplace that they've been or that they feel a special connection to, they get a sense of familiarity within themselves. So when he's talking about the churches and the community centers, the people who have come from that base for him now go, oh, yeah, that was me. I was in that church. I went from the river to the river, from sea to shining sea, right? I did that. Um, and, And he's talking directly now about me. And so he's pacing here the person's experience as they're as they're going through. And then you hear this more of that liberal framing of, you know, we have exactly one shot, not through division, but ours is the campaign that will defeat Donald Trump. So he's just very direct here about this is, you know, what's happening. He says some, you know, not so great things about Trump, but in particular, he's comparing himself to him. He's saying we don't want a president that cuts taxes while crushing the rights of workers who cloaks himself in his wrongdoing in religion that candidate should have to debate a candidate that believes that god does not belong to one political party well that's really interesting you know what is he saying here he's saying 
God is also the domain of the Democratic Party. So if you are religious, well, Pete's your guy, okay? Because he's going to be talking about God in an inclusive way, not in an exclusive way. And for the people who really would view it very exclusively, like the true um, you know, fundamentalists of any stripe or just having a really strict interpretation of religion, they're not going to be going for him anyway, you know, because he's gay. So he's really appealing to the broader, you know, mass of churchgoers who are willing to accept his message. And then he goes on, you know, Donald Trump, who, um, you know, didn't do his duty, should have to stand next to a veteran ready to show what troops deserve from a real commander-in-chief. Real? Wow. You know, it implies now Trump is not a commander-in-chief. He's not a real commander-in-chief. But what exactly is he saying? Like, how is he not a real commander-in-chief? See, he doesn't explain that. He doesn't go into it. It's just like, he's not a real commander-in-chief. I'm a veteran, therefore I'm going to be a better commander-in-chief you know, than Trump has been. Yeah, if you listen to that that language that he uses right there, that's really interesting. He has that, that we have exactly one shot to defeat Donald Trump. Again, going back to what I was saying before, why do we only have one shot to defeat Donald Trump? What's going to happen if Donald Trump stays? Make no mistake, ours is the campaign that will defeat Donald Trump. So what he does here, this language really just reminded me of the thing that Donald Trump says or at least he did say in his first campaign, he would say that I alone can fix it. This is Pete Buttigieg here saying that I alone can defeat Donald Trump. I am your only option. Otherwise, all of those bad things, the end of society as we know it, is that's all going to happen. And so really setting up this false choice here, that's that's really what's powerful here. Now, in this next clip, Pete really gets to something that I think is some really interesting hypnotic language here. He's going to be talking about something stirring in America right now. Can you feel it? Something is stirring in America right now. You can feel it. We saw it tonight in the bluest counties, in the reddest, in rural towns and industrial cities, in big communities and small and the suburbs in between. We're seeing Democrats hungry to win. Independent voters who had been turned off by our politics. Republicans tired of trying to look their kids in the eye and explain this presidency. All standing together. And all standing together to declare that we are defined not by who we voted for in the past, but by what we're voting for in the future. This is the coalition that no pundit saw coming. And it's the coalition the president won't see coming either. It's a majority we're assembling to agree not just on who we're against, but on what we are for. We are unifying a rising American majority ready to raise wages and empower workers in this fast-changing economy. A majority ready and determined to put an end to endless war. A majority committed to bringing about a day in America where your race has no bearing on your health, your wealth, 
your access to education, or your relationship with law enforcement. A majority of Americans ready to support our teachers with a president and a secretary of education who believe in public education. Those Americans are counting on us to come together and act, and they cannot wait. I've met Americans not even yet old enough to vote, but who know that we cannot wait. An 11-year-old asking how his family will be able to afford the insulin he needs. He can't wait for a president who will ensure there is no such thing as an uninsured American or an unaffordable prescription. The 14-year-old who let me know she's already written out a basic will because she's terrified the next day in school could be her last. Cannot wait for a president who will see to it that she can walk into her school free of fear. The 10-year-old who let me know he expects to be around in 2100 and look back at whether we acted fast enough to secure his future. He cannot wait for a president prepared to enlist every American in the fight for our climate. We are running for them. This campaign is giving voice to them, and it has room for everyone. Because no matter who you voted for in elections past, and for that matter, no matter who you caucused for tonight, we welcome you in our campaign, and you belong in the future that we are building for America. So right here at the very beginning, Buttigieg tells us about there's something stirring in America, and you can feel it. You can feel this thing that is stirring. We saw it tonight. So what is it exactly that people can feel? Well, whatever it is that they have been feeling, they know what it is now. That urgency to change. The sense that things just aren't quite right. The determination to make things different, to secure the prosperous future for their family and for the world. That's the sense they have within them. You see, that's the feeling that Buttigieg is alluding to. But of course, well, what is that feeling? Where is that feeling in their body? How long has it been there? Does a feeling actually imply that there's a particular thought associated with it? Well, some people feel that it does. But when a person talks about a feeling, one of the things that goes on here is that a feeling can be associated with many different thoughts. So when he's having them associate now into this thing that they're feeling, this feeling that is stirring within them, meaning it has movement, okay, this feeling that might not have been that much in the past, but now they're starting to feel it more and more, he's having them fill in their own story about what that means and connecting the whole thing up to him. And whatever it is that they're feeling, now he gets to say, well, I know that's happening, which is a mind read. He knows that they are feeling something. He knows there's a feeling stirring where? Is it just in that person's body? No, it's in America. There's a feeling stirring in America. 
where is that feeling exactly? So yes, very hypnotic language here that Buttigieg, you know, starts off with and, you know, really puts people into a trance-like state. And then as he continues, he moves into describing this opposites between the rural towns and the industrial cities, between the big towns and the small cities. And we know that there are those Republicans. I loved this part. The Republicans trying to look their kids in the eye to explain this presidency. But now we're not going to have them have to do that anymore because now we're assembling a majority. It's the majority we're assembling, not to to agree just on who we're against, but what we're going to be doing for. Remember, this is also the liberal framing. When you hear Donald Trump talking, he's not going to be talking about all the things that he's for nearly as much as he's going to be describing what he's against. You know, it's a direction. It's a motivational direction. Are we going to be focusing on the pain or are we going to focus on the pleasure or on the goal? And so he talks a while about this, you know, majority and he goes into some stories here about the Americans that are counting on us now who cannot wait. And as he's talking about how they can't wait, he goes into some you know examples here of you know the 14 year old and the 10 year old and the you know all the kids that he's talked about. And then there's this nice little piece here at the end where he says, I want you to know that no matter who you voted for, no matter who you caucused for tonight, we welcome you and you belong. Wow. You know, think about how important of a message this is for Buttigieg's con- candidacy and what he's telling us about his overall value message. You know, that is a religious theme, right, to at least the religious groups that he's appealing to. It's a liberal theme, no matter who you are. It's a theme of saying that you're allowed to change your mind. So, you know, that goes on to what he was saying earlier about the Republicans trying to look their kids in the eye. And he's implying here, you're going to be able to change your mind and basically flip over to the side and, you know, as he wants it to be, to start voting for Mayor Pete. Yeah, it's really about that rising American majority again. Like we talked about, this is sort of his theme throughout this speech and a lot of what he talks about. So like Taylor mentioned there, we've got this um, rising American majority And they are depending on us to act and they cannot wait. So this this made up group of people that may or may not actually exist, but he claims that they exist. These people are counting on you, the listener, and they can't wait. They're in desperate need of you. And this almost reminds me of Barack Obama's fierce urgency of now where, you know, we cannot wait for, you know, future action. We can't say that somebody else is going to take care of it. Like, we need to act immediately. It's sort of what he used to galvanize people to, you know, support an unlikely candidate immediately. And that's sort of what Pete Buttigieg is sort of evoking right here as well. And so within all these reasons he gives for why all of these people in this made-up American majority can't wait for him and can't wait for you... He ends it all with this, you know, you belong in the future uh, we're building for America. And so this is really, really important. So important that he spends the rest of his speech focusing on this idea that you belong. But where do you belong? And so he's going to tell you exactly all the facets of where you belong in this next clip right here. 
Whether you're a young woman with autism in Muscatine or a veteran battling addiction in Claremont, you belong. Whether you clean hotel rooms in Las Vegas or are getting a new business up and running in Charleston, you belong. I believe the presidency has a purpose. And the purpose of our American presidency is not the glorification of the president. It is the unification and the empowerment to the American people to solve these big problems. America has a place for everyone. And I believe this not because of my age, but because of my experience. I believe in American unity because of my experience serving, of lacing up my boots in the dust of a war zone alongside Americans so different we hardly had anything in common besides the flag on our shoulders, yet learned to trust each other with our lives. I believe in American boldness because of my experience governing, guiding a city once called dying out of the shadows of our empty factories and into a brighter future. And I believe in American belonging because of an experience you are part of right here tonight. Looking out at you and remembering how it felt to be an Indiana teenager wondering if he would ever belong in this world. Wondering if something deep inside him meant that he would forever be an outsider, that he might never wear the uniform, never be accepted, never even know love. And now that same person is standing in front of you, a mayor, a veteran, happily married, and one step closer to becoming the next president of the United States. is the America we are building. That is the America so many Iowans chose tonight. If you are ready to build an American life defined by belonging, this is our chance. If you're ready to build an American politics defined by boldness, this is our chance. And if you are ready to build an American future defined by unity, in the face of our greatest challenges, this is our chance. So with hope in our hearts and fire in our bellies, we're going on to New Hampshire, on to the nomination, and on to chart a new course for this country that we love. Thank you. Thank you, Iowa. Thank you so much. So right here toward the end of the speech, Buttigieg is really starting to continue with his pacing statements and starting to ramp up the excitement with this theming of the phrase, you belong. And he starts off with, whether you are blank occupation in blank location, you belong. So whether you are this type of person in this location, you belong. And he keeps doing that for a while. He talks about how the presidency has a purpose. And what is that purpose? Well, the purpose, as he describes it, is to give us a little bit of a um, very summarized story of his life. 
And so he's starting to talk about lacing up his boots in the dust of a war zone. And notice just that evocative imagery drawing you right there. You can almost see the dust of the war zone. Which war zone? Well, it doesn't matter because the thematic ideal of veterans and of Americans in combat is being in a war zone, wearing boots, and there's dust. You don't have to know where he is specifically. In fact, that might take away from the excitement of it. All you need to know is just this kind of movie or TV shot of, here's this soldier, he's got his boots on, and there's this dust in this war zone. And he talks about this learning how to trust each other with our lives, even though we might not have had that much in common. And so then he goes on to tell us about his time as a teenager, right? I was a teenager in Indiana. Would I belong? Will I be accepted? Will I find love? And how he had this lack of belonging. Now, let's remember that I think he's tapping into something really specifically here, that loneliness in the U.S. is now at a very high rate. Like, a lot of people feel lonely. They feel like they are not connected to people. It's something that is talked about a lot in you know psychology circles of this sense of people not really having a direct in-person connection. Instead, they're talking to each other on social media or they have a lot of acquaintances, but not as much close friends. And so this is a big theme here that he's talking to a person who might feel like that. They might feel like they don't belong. They might feel like they're not accepted, whatever that means for them, but they feel like they are not accepted. They do not belong. And so he's telling us his story. I went from that to being a mayor, to being a veteran, to being married, and one step closer to being the president of the United States. So notice how he has created this nice little story arc for us, right? He was a teenager then, and he had all these questions. He had this loneliness. He didn't think that he belonged. He didn't know if he would be accepted. He didn't know if he would find love. But then he went into the dust of the war zone, and then he became the mayor. Then he became the veteran. He became married. And what's the next step? He becomes president. So notice how he has lined this up, and it's just like a, a, um, a sales type of technique where you have the multiple things. You know, this is true, this is true, this is true, and now that other thing is true. They link together a set of ideas to be able to stack them on top of each other, creating a natural narrative toward a given conclusion. And think about how much of his life that he's told us that is inarguable, some of which you just know about him and some of which he's kind of sharing his inner thoughts but are kind of believable. And then when he says, and one step closer to being the president, then we're much more likely to step into it and really believe, hey, that is the next step. That is the next arc in that story partially because of how he set it up and partially because we kind of want to believe in this American dream. We want to believe in the happy story at the end of the movie. We want for it to have that glorious kind of ending, you know, especially as he's built it up here for us, you know, so well. Yeah, I want to emphasize just how important his refrain here is about the you belong. You know, this is something that a lot of you know, cult leaders and a lot of, you know, people who are part of like organizations or organized religions use, you know, sort of this idea that somebody 
who might be listening to this story and, you know, maybe they're a little bit lost in their own lives or they don't really feel like they belong or, you know, something super vague that I think a lot of people can probably relate to. You know, he talks about his experience in that way that you can sort of step into it and maybe relate it to all the ways that you are. And he even sort of he even sort of brings it out by saying, you know, out there in the audience like me um, and and allows the listener to step into that feeling of being lost and not belonging. And then he just talks about, you know, all the ways that people should belong and then, you know, it sort of culminates in this idea that, you know, you want to feel like you belong. You need to help build the America that we're building. And so it's this idea that, you know, being part of this group means that you have that fulfillment. You have that sense of belonging. You don't have to feel lost or without purpose because Pete is giving you that. And this movement that he's talking about and helping him win is giving you that purpose right there. And so, you know, that was my big takeaway from all of this. And and at the end, he sort of ends it with, you know, this is our chance, um, which is also really powerful, too, because it gives that sense of agency that you can step out and grab that. You're just one step away from the presidency, one step away from making Mayor Pete president one step away from belonging and this is your chance so uh really some fascinating stuff here with with pete Buttigieg. all right everyone well i think that's all the time that we have for today thank you for listening if you really enjoyed the show remember to follow us on twitter and facebook go to itunes rate and review us five stars that's always a nice thing and if you really enjoy the show remember to donate to the show you can do that by going to our patreon page chip in for as little as three dollars Help us to get a cup of coffee, keep the show on the air, and have all this great content continuing to come toward you. And we look forward to your questions, your comments, your feedback, and to really know how this has been impacting you and helping you as you are becoming even more persuasive, just like the politicians. And we'll see you next week. 